morning I want to speak to you on a little bit of an unusual subject, but necessary in our world today. And that is homosexuality in the light of the Bible. As we have been progressing through this month of June, it is so-called Pride Month, and our world has magnified homosexuality, and it's unbelievable. Who would ever thought the day would come when you drive through downtown Covington and see gay pride flags hanging on the, on the streets, on the poles? Our TV commercials, you're getting bombarded with it, even on Fox News, they have commercials on there and bombard you with the the gay pride, and uh, I felt like it was necessary for me to take one of these Sundays in the month of June and just look at that subject in light of what God's Word says about it. Amen. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he talks about some sins, and homosexuality is one of them. It's numbered among them or listed among different ones, and uh, and he makes it very clear, he says twice in that passage, that we cannot inherit the kingdom of God if we are these people. And I'm thankful for verse 11, it says, but such were some of you, but ye are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. I'm glad that you can be saved, amen, and God can forgive any sin if we'll come to him and confess it and admit our need. The question this morning is, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? God loves all people, including homosexuals. The Bible teaches us that we are to love the sinner, but we're to hate their sin. I had a fellow one time years ago, I lived in Roanoke, Virginia area, and a man lived next door to me, and he had been an alcoholic, and got saved, and God had changed his life, and I was visiting with him one day, and he said, you know, preacher, he said, I know the Bible says we're to love the sinner and we're to hate the sin, but he said, sometimes I get them mixed up. <laughs> I think probably all of us do that sometimes, don't we? We get them mixed up, and we end up hating the sinner and not just the sin. The Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven us, and he wants us to love and forgive others. However, that does not mean that as the quote-unquote religious community that we have to condone their sin or endorse their sin. And neither should the Christian community or the government condone or endorse the sin. We should be humbled at the fact that throughout history, God has never once failed to judge a nation that practiced and accepted these activities. In fact, Psalm 118 and verse 6 says this, it says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear what man can do unto me. And though the forces have become very vocal, not only homosexuality, but we've seen it in recent days with the, with the abortionists and how vocal they have become. And as these groups become more vocal, we have to become more dependent upon God to protect us Amen. as we stand for truth. Not to bow to their demands, but to rely upon our God to give us strength and courage to live for Him. Christians ought to be optimistic people. We ought to be positive. I jotted this down. It's the first thing there on your notes on the back of the bulletin, this statement. Life in Christ is an endless hope. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. Let me say that again. Life in Christ is an endless hope. 
Life without Christ is a hopeless end. We should try our best to be positive about the future of America. We strive to be optimistic. But in spite of that optimism, we also have to be realistic, don't we? Nothing is more realistic than the Word of God that makes it very clear that Sodom's sins will reap Sodom's doom. And the nations that follow after sodomy, God will bring judgment upon those nations. Jesus said to us in the New Testament, Three words that stand out in relation to this. He just said, remember Lot's wife. That's a pretty good warning for all of us, isn't it? Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife. God had saved Lot and his wife from the destruction of the land of Sodom. God brought them out of Sodom. But when he brought them out, what did Lot's wife do? She looked back, didn't she? She looked back longingly. There goes my home, there goes my possessions, there goes my friends, there goes my lifestyle, there even goes some of my family. Her heart was still in Sodom, even though she had come out of Sodom. The sad thing is, Sodom was still in her heart. And homosexuals do not need reformation, they need transformation. They need a new heart. And only the blood of, of the Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse us from the shackles of sin. You know the saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Or as we used to say, you can take Billy out of the hills, but you can't take the hills out of Billy. Well, that principle can apply to any sin that we, com that we commit. You can take a man or a woman out of homosexuality, but you cannot take homosexuality out of the man or the woman only God can do that. And I'm thankful that God can do that. It can be done. America has become a nation for homosexuals and homosexuality. In fact, homosexuals from other nations that feel unwelcome in their own nations now feel welcome in America. It's been said that if America doesn't get right with God, God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now let me say this, first of all, God never has to apologize to anybody, all right? But let me say this also, the sins of Sodom have been reacted in our own nation and in our own land and are being magnified. Thanks to our former President Clinton, we now have what the country has celebrated, Gay Pride Month in the month of June, and the parades and all of that, and it just... it amazes me that our country has stooped to the depth in which we have. They've come out of the closet brazenly, unashamedly. They flaunt their sin in our faces on television and in the community. I'm saddened that we have accepted it. And I say we, I, I don't think most of us here would be a part of that we. We have not accepted it because we know what God's Word says about it. But it's not enough for them just to say that it's okay. They want us to endorse it as well. They want you and me to say that it's okay. They weren't happy until the government endorsed their, their sin, until the government endorsed the, the gay marriages, and until the military accepted them in the, in the military, and the public schools have given their endorsements, and even many of the churches have given their endorsements to it. 
It seems like every week or so you hear about another church that has ordained a homosexual or performed a so-called homosexual union. And I want to say this. When I talk about this, this is not hate speech. It's not hate speech for us to stand against the, word, the, the sin that the Word of God stands against. Our Constitution refers to that as free speech. Amen? Amen. And I'm glad we still have free speech. I, I don't know how much longer we'll have it. In love, our God knows what sin will do to us. He knows that sin will drag us into hell. And He calls upon all sinners, including homosexuals, to repent of their sin and come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And our God loves sinners, but our God who loves sinners also hates sin. And Jesus died on the cross for their sin just like He died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. But sadly to say, our culture today whitewashes it. We whitewash sin. You think about it for a minute. We don't call a person a drunkard anymore. We call them an alcoholic. That seems a little bit more acceptable. Now it's a disease, releasing them from personal responsibility. We don't call a person a thief. We call them a kleptomaniac. It wasn't adultery, it was an affair. Boy, doesn't that sound sophisticated? God still says it's adultery, doesn't it? It's still sin. We don't call it a sodomite, we call them gay. We've taken good words from the English vocabulary, words that mean to be happy and to be carefree, and now we use it to, to describe perverts and deviants. God does not think that sodomy is gay. He calls it repulsive. He calls it abominable. He calls it abhorrent. And let me say this, it is not natural. God the Creator has spoken, and that settles it. You know, people use a little phrase sometimes, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Let me tell you something, God said it, and that settles it, whether you believe it or not. God said it. Do you realize that even the animals understand it? And humans cannot. As you may recall, some years ago, Phil Robertson was suspended from Duck Dynasty for about three weeks because of what he said about the homosexuals. But then A&E realized that the family would not continue the program without Phil and that that would kill a cash cow for the network, and so they quietly suspended his suspension. that period of time there was a firestorm of protests and discussion that went on across the country, all across the country, media and on the internet, people were denouncing or defending uh, Phil Robertson. A&E proclaimed his statements were extremely disappointing. The gay community said that they were offended and glad the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation called his comments vile and extreme. Well, they sure got things flipped the wrong way, don't they? And those that were offended by Phil Robertson's comments declared this. They said he is homophobic. They said he is intolerant. He is unloving. He is judgmental. Let me ask you a question. Who is intolerant when it comes to the homosexuals? There was a lot of talk about people being born homosexual and questioning the very idea of condemning folks who 
who said that they were born that way. So let's take it one step at a time. First of all, Phil Robertson was absolutely correct. Homosexual, homosexuality is not logical. It is not normal. It is sin, according to the Bible. And anyone who is a homosexual will not get into heaven. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? In the end of verse 10, he says, shall inherit, shall they, he says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor reviles, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. How do we know that? Because God said it. That's what the Bible says. Amen? In Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 22, the Bible says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. That's what God said. Abomination means to hate excessively. God doesn't just hate the sin of homosexuality. He exceedingly hates it. He doesn't like it. Now, he loves the sinner, but he hates their sin. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13 says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Now, I'm glad we're not still under the Old Testament law. Amen? If that were the case, a lot of us would be dead. If they were found in a homosexual relationship, they were put to death. If a teenager was rebellious against their parent, they were put to death. I wonder how many teenagers we'd have here today. I wonder how many of you would have lived to grow out of your teen years. I'm glad we're not still under Old Testament law. Amen? But that lets us know how much God hates this sin. I want you to look at a passage of Scripture. Keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians. Go to Romans chapter 1 with me. Most of you knew I'd get there before long. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. And listen to what God's Word says there when He speaks about this matter of sodomy and homosexuality. In verse 24 of Romans chapter 1, He says, Wherefore, God also, what's the next three words? Gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. You see, God says it's sin, and God says it's an abomination. Man turns the truth of God into a lie. Man says it's okay. Man says it's normal. They turn the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. They serve man more than they do God who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, what's the next four words? God gave them up. What did He give them up to? Unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. God says it's not natural. Amen. They changed the natural use into that which is against nature. Verse 27, And likewise also the men, leaving natural use of the woman... Burned in their lusts one toward another, men toward men, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet. Again, God says it's not natural. The men leaving the natural use of the woman. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. You know why we have so many atheists? You know why we have so many people say, I don't believe in God? 
Because God's Word says this is the way you're supposed to live. And when man doesn't want to, come to, to live according to God's Word, he says, well, there is no God, so I don't have to do what he says. But that doesn't change the fact there's still a God and we still have His Word. Amen? Right. We're still to do what He says in His Word. So he says, these, they don't even want to, to keep God in their mind. And verse number 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Now notice verse 13. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of what? Death. God says the person that commits these things are worthy of death. I'm sure glad there is a cure for that death. Amen. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to the last part of that verse. Not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. In other words, there's a lot of people that say, well, I would never do that, but they'll watch it on television. They'll watch it on some movie or they'll watch it on some video on the computer. God says when you watch it and take pleasure in it, you're just as guilty as those who are doing it. Jude warns us in Jude verse 7. It says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. That strange flesh is man with man, woman with woman. Are set forth for an example. He's talked about as Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were example suffering the vengeance, the vengeance of eternal fire. What did God do to Sodom and Gomorrah? We'll see in a few minutes. God burned that city with fire. And God said they were an example to us to let us know how God feels about it. There have been many in the religious community that have made a concerted effort to say that some of these verses are misunderstood or mistranslated. Let me be very clear on this. Anybody who says those verses are misunderstood or mistranslated are liars. They are heretics. They are attempting to warp God's Word to meet their own personal agenda and preferences. So first of all, Phil Robertson was absolutely correct. Homosexuality is a sinful lifestyle. Secondly, homosexuals are not born that way. There are a lot of scientific articles that have been written that make that very clear. There's no legitimate studies that prove that homosexuals are wired that way. And for Christians, that should be a no-brainer. You know, our dogs and our cats can have a litter, and we got enough sense to pick them up and look at them, and we know which is a male and which is a female, don't we? Amen? How come other people can't figure that out? God says it's sin. And if, if it's a sin and God says you can't make it to heaven if you're a homosexual, then nobody's born that way because God, it would be irrational for God to condemn us for living a lifestyle that we couldn't help living. And God does condemn it, doesn't he? You name the sin, whatever the sin is, and you'll find there are people that are caught up in that sin, and you know what they'll oftentimes say? 
I just can't help myself. A woman caught in adultery says, I couldn't help myself. I just fell in love with that man. We were destined to be together. Could she help herself? Absolutely. Was she destined to commit adultery? No, not at all. The man with child pornography on his computer says, I couldn't help myself. That's just the way I'm wired. Could he help himself? Absolutely he could. Was that the way he was wired? No, that's not the way he was wired. And the homosexual says, I can't help myself. I was just born that way. But this kind of thinking that people are born that way, it appeals to many people in the psychological and in the sociological fields. Not too long ago, I read about a small group of researchers that were proposing that child molesters couldn't help themselves. That they were born that way. That behavior was built into them. And by the way, the world's trying to get us to think that way. And that's where we're headed to accepting the child molestation and so forth. It's true that once a person gets caught up in a sin, then they're trapped in it, and it's very difficult to get out of it. It happens with folks that get caught up with drugs, or people that get caught up with tobacco or alcohol. Once you get tied into a certain behavior, it's hard to get out of that. But thank God there is a way out, and that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people these days that falsely believe that People were born gay. And it's taken such deep roots in our culture that there are even religious groups now that argue and that say that you can be gay and be a Christian. There's a book that made its rounds for a while entitled God and the Gay Christian, The Biblical Case in Support of Same-Sex Relationships by Matthew Vine. Aside from the fact that Matthew Vine's book, Biblical Case for Homosexuals, is a lie, he has become popular for presenting the idea that people can be both Christian and homosexual. Well, if you have a Christian who is gay, can you have a Christian who sleeps around? Can you have a Christian who's a rip-off artist? Can you have a Christian who worships idols and pagan gods? Can you have a Christian who makes their living on the side as a prostitute? Of course not. We know the answer to that. And yet, those are the very sins that 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says will keep us out of heaven. They're all in the same list. So let's review for a moment. Homosexuals are not born that way. Homosexuality is a sin. It will keep people out of heaven. And you can't be a homosexual and claim to be a Christian. I want you to go back with me to the Bible, to Genesis chapter 13. And again, I want you to see what God says. It doesn't matter what Tim Schelling says, it matters what God says. In Genesis chapter 13, many of you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you know the story of Abraham and Lot. In Genesis chapter 13, verse number 10, Lot and Abraham, they had been in the land together. You remember Lot was Abraham's nephew, and they'd gone down to the land of Egypt, they'd come out, and as they, they prospered and God blessed them, they soon had too much cattle for them both to live in the same areas, and so they had to separate and go to different places. Verse 10 says, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest into Zoar. Now think about that. Lot looks towards Sodom. And he says, it looks like the land of Egypt, like the garden of the Lord, as thou comest into Zoar. So Lot says, that looks like Egypt. How did he know what Egypt looked like? Because Abraham had taken him down to Egypt. Egypt represents the world. And let me just say this as a Christian, whenever you go back to the world, you always take somebody with you. And Abraham took his nephew Lot with him. Verse 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. What did God think about Sodom? He said they were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. There came a time when Abraham and Lot had to separate. And Abraham did something very unselfish. Abraham said to Lot, Lot, you choose whichever way you want to go. You choose the best of the land. And that had literally been promised to Abraham. Abraham said, I'll take what's left. Write this down somewhere if you don't have it written down already. God always gives his best to those that leave the choice with Him. God always gives His best to those who leave the choice with Him. Abraham left the choice with God. He said, Lot, you go ahead and choose whatever you want. I'll take what's left. And God gave the best to Abraham. He always gives His best to those that leave the choice with Him. Now, As we think about Lot, I want you to notice a couple of things. Notice the course of this man. The course of this man. If you look at verse 13, if you're still there in Genesis or chapter 13, verse number 10, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes toward Sodom. First of all, he lifted his eyes. He looked. That's where sin begins. We look. We look. That's why pornography is so wicked. That's why uh, some of the television and movies and so forth are so wicked. It always starts with a look. You see it first. He lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, it was well watered. He looked. And then notice, he pitched his tent toward Sodom in verse number 12. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. So first of all, he looked. Secondly, he pitched his tent. In other words, he's moving that way. He's headed there towards this place that God says is wicked exceedingly. And then look over a couple of pages to chapter 19. Look at what it says in chapter, Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 1. It says, There came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. He bowed himself with his face toward the ground. He said, Behold, now, my lords, turn in, I pray thee, into your servant's house. This is, this is Abraham. And tarry all night, or this is Lot. He said, tarry all night. So two angels have come to Lot's house in Sodom. And he brings them into his house. He says, wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and on your, on, go on your way. And they said, nay, but we will, not abide, we will abide in the street all night. So these two angels say, we're not going to come into Lot's house. We're going to stay out in the street all night in Sodom. And he, Lot, pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened cakes, and they did eat. And before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, 
all the people from every quarter. So you got old, young men, all the people. They're surrounding Lot's house. Verse 5, they called unto Lot and they said unto him, Where are the men which came in unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. These wicked men of Sodom said, these two men that have come in and visited, they didn't realize they were angels. They said, bring them out to us that we may know them. That word know is the same word that speaks of, of Adam knew his wife Eve and had a child. It's talking about sexual relationships. Bring them out so that we can know them. Verse number 6, Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray thee, brethren, do not so wickedly. I believe verse number 7 is one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible. Because Lot said, I pray you... What's the next word? Brethren. Lot called these wicked men of Sodom his brethren. I pray thee, brethren. You say, did Sodom affect Lot? Absolutely. He called them brethren. Do not so wickedly. Verse 8, Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray thee, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as it is good in your eyes. Only unto the men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now that tells you a lot about Lot, doesn't it? What man would take his daughters and say, Here are my daughters, you do with them whatever you want. But Lot did that. He offered it. Verse 9, And they said, Stand back. These are the men at the door outside. Say to Lot, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. They said, We're going to do worse to you, Lot, than we do to those two men. And they try to break into the door, into the house. But the men, that's the men on the inside, the angels, the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. Notice this, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. These angels called the, caused the men of Sodom, the people of Sodom, to become blind. And instead of trying to find their way back home, the Bible says they wearied themselves to find the door. They still tried to find the door to get in there and do their wicked sin. Talk about intolerant. Talk about perverted. Verse 12, And the men laid, said, the men said unto Lot, this is the angels, back in verse number 1, there came two angels to Sodom at even. He's talking about the angels. The men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake with his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and he said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Even his own sons-in-law wouldn't hear him. They mocked him. Verse 15, When the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters that are here, lest they be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of the two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. It was the mercy of God that got Lot and his wife and his two daughters out of that city. And it came to pass, verse 17, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, 
Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O, not so, my lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O, let me escape thither. It is, not a, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for that which thou hast spoken. So they said, Here's a little city. Let us go there. And so the angels agreed to let them go there. Verse 22. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become hither. thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into, the, into Zoar. So evidently he had been traveling through the night. Then the, day, the Lord rained Sodom, Rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities all the, and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, that, they, that, that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Now, here's Lot. He looked, he pitched his tent. Verse 1 of chapter 19, he's now sitting at the gate. He's sitting at the gate in the place of leadership. You know what Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says? It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Lot had no business sitting in the city leadership at Sodom and Gomorrah, but there he was. Four things very quickly about Lot. First of all, Lot was weak in his devotions. He was weak in his devotions. Go back to chapter 13 of Genesis, if you're still back there in Genesis and look at verse number 4. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 4. It says, speaking of Abraham, it says, Under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham had an altar. He had a place where he met with God. Not so with Lot. Verse number 5 says, And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Abraham had an altar. He met with God. Lot, what did he have? He had tents, and he had flocks, and he had herds. He was weak in his devotions. He was weak in his commitment to the Lord. Back over in chapter 19, again in verse 27, it speaks about Abraham, and it says there, and Abram got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Abraham had a place on a daily basis where he stood before God. He knew that the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. And he met with God on a daily basis. He knew to keep short accounts with God and to make sure he was walking with God. You see, Lot had thought about the sin and then he had looked at it and then he had moved closer and then he would committed it and then the sin becomes a habit. You see, we have to be careful. What we get here in our church, three services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that's not enough. We need a daily time with the Lord when we get into His Word and read and pray and we grow in our faith with Him. Lot was weak in his devotion. Secondly, Lot was worldly in his desires. 
He was worldly in his desires. If you look back at verse 13 and verse number 10, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. He was worldly in his desires. When he looked, he wanted to find a place like Egypt. Egypt represented the world. It was the place where Abraham went, which he shouldn't have gone to in the first place, he went down into Egypt, and whenever you go into sin, it's always going down. When he came out, it says he came up out of Egypt. And so here, Lot's looking back, and he's looking for a place that looks like Egypt, something that looks like the world. He was worldly in his desires. And of course, you remember that his wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. She didn't just glance back. She looked back longingly. That's what I had. That's what we were. I'm gone from that. And longingly she looks back and God judged her and turned her into a pillar of salt. Be careful what you look back to. When you get saved, don't ever go back to the way it used to be. Don't ever go back to the old sins and the old way and the old life. Thirdly, Lot was wrong in his decision. Same chapter, Genesis 13, verse 11. Then Lot chose. Three key words in that verse. Then Lot chose. He chose all the plain of Jordan and journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Do you know God allows us to choose our own path? He allows us to choose our path, but He does not allow us to choose the destination that that path will lead to. He does not allow us to choose the consequences. You can go outside and get a ladder and climb up on top of this building, and you can choose to jump off this building. But you can't choose what's going to happen when you hit the ground. The consequences. We can choose to turn to drugs. We can choose to turn to alcohol. We can choose to turn to the homosexual lifestyle. You can choose that, but you cannot choose the consequences that come as a result of it. A man was in the hospital some years ago who had smoked for years and had cancer. His mouth was eaten away. All he had was just a little opening here where the trach was. And in the hospital, he would have them bring a cigarette and put it in that little hole so he could smoke that cigarette. Couldn't choose the consequences. I used to have a jail ministry when I was in college and pastoring a church in North Georgia. And a lady whom we had come in contact with through the, through the jail ministry had been driving down the road one day, and as she went around the corner, the door opened and her baby fell out of the car, and she was drunk, and she backed up to get her baby and ran over and killed her own baby. She could choose to drink the alcohol, but she couldn't choose the consequences of it. Then Lot chose. He was wrong in his decisions. He made the wrong decisions. And then Lot was wrecked in his deterioration. He was wrecked in his deterioration. You see, here's a man that the New Testament, speaking about Lot, says that he was saved. It says, but it says he vexed his righteous soul. Here he is in a wicked place. And wicked things came as a result. His own daughters ended up involved with him in an ancestral relationship after they got him drinking and so forth. And there's a whole lot that goes along with it. Yes, he had been saved, but boy, he sure had messed up his life. 
and the consequences of it. His city was destroyed. Some of his own relatives were destroyed in it. He was wrecked in the deterioration. And then I know it's time for me to quit, but let me show you the, no the curse of the society. Notice the curse of the society. If the Bible is clear in anything, it teaches that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, the sin for which they were destroyed, was homosexuality. The curse on Sodom and Gomorrah, God judged and destroyed that city. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 and 10, we read the verses earlier. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That word effeminate speaks of the passive male partner in a homosexual relationship, the effeminate. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's the homosexual. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. God says you can't go to heaven if you're a homosexual. But thank God for verse number 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. Thank God you can be forgiven. Thank God you can be delivered. Thank God you can become a godly person. Don't forget Leviticus 18.22 said, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. God made it very clear. Ephesians 5.11, he says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. The Don Boys, who used to be a state representative for, the, for Indiana, wrote a book back when homosexuality first started coming out. Many of the things that he wrote in that book, talking about the lifestyle of the homosexuals, cannot even be talked about in a mixed, mixed audience. It's unbelievable. I've read some things and some medical things that, that tell that the average homosexual lifestyle is 20 years less than the normal person because of the consequences of their sin, the consequences of their unnatural behavior. You know what's interesting? Homosexuals cannot reproduce. They can only recruit. And that's what they do. They're trying to recruit everybody they can. Medical science says homosexuality is a behavioral choice. And they choose to, to be that way. I could give a lot of other things for you. My time is gone. The last thing I want you to notice is the cure that could have been. The cure that could have been. Abraham negotiated with God, and God said to Abraham, if there's ten righteous there, Abraham prayed to God and he said, God, if there's fifty righteous people, will you spare Sodom? And God said, if there's fifty righteous people, I'll spare Sodom. And Abraham said, God, if there's 45, and God said, if there's 45. And he said, if there's 40, would you spare? And God said, okay, 40. And all the way down till Abraham said, Lord, if there's just 10, Lord, don't get mad at me, but if there's just 10 righteous people, will you spare Sodom? And God said he would spare it if there were 10 righteous people there. Now think about this. There was Lot and his wife, that's two. He had two married daughters and their husbands, that's six. And then he had two unmarried daughters, that's eight. That means had Lot just reached his own family and only two other people, God would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot didn't reach ten people. He'd already lost his testimony. His sons-in-law laughed at him. In 2 Peter 2 and verse 8, it says that Lot dwelling among them, 
vexed his righteous soul from day to day because of just being present with, their, with them. In America, I do not know how many righteous people, I don't know if God has a quota of how many righteous people it will take to spare America, but I know if America keeps going the way it is, God will eventually have to bring judgment upon America. And one of the most patriotic things you and I can do is first of all get right with God ourselves, and secondly do everything we can to win lost people to Jesus Christ so that there are faithful, righteous, godly people and spare our country. This morning as we think about Lot, let me ask you this question in closing these questions. Are you weak in your devotions? Are you building a daily walk with God? Or are you like Lot? You got your houses and your tents and your possessions. Are you worldly in your desires? Are you looking for the things of the world like Lot was looking for the things like Egypt? Are you wrong in your decisions? Are you looking and pitching your tent and moving? Are you making the wrong decisions? Then Lot chose. Are you wrecked in your deterioration? You see, if you keep going that way, the consequences are, it's a, it's a shipwreck. It's a train wreck. It's the destruction. And how do we prevent all of that? It all starts with knowing Jesus Christ. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, but such were some of you but now ye are washed. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank God the blood of Jesus can cleanse deeper than the stain of sin has ever gone. And Jesus' blood can cleanse us from all sin and all unrighteousness, if we'll ask Him. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word today. I know it's a difficult subject. Most of us, I'm speaking to the choir, but we need to hear it, and our young people need to know that what they're getting bombarded with on television and in the, on the media and on the internet and in our world and in the public schools and all around us is not what you say in your word. So would you help us to raise high the banner of the cross, raise high the standards of the word of God. It's what God says. And would you help us to warn them so that they're not sucked into what the world tries to offer or push down our throats or get, tries to get us to condone. There's one person here today that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior. If they've never trusted you, would you help them to come to you today and let you cleanse them with the blood of Jesus Christ? As long as we live in those sins, you said we can't go into the kingdom of God. We're not going to heaven, but oh, how I thank you that we can be washed and cleansed and made whole. Lord, some may think their sin's not homosexuality, but it may be pride, and that's just as wicked. It may be self-righteousness. It may just be self-will, doing our own thing. But you desire in your word for us to bow before you and acknowledge you as Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let you be the Lord. Let you be the boss of our life. Would you help us to do that if we've never done that? And would you help us as your people to stand firm and trust you on the principles of your word? Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.